This is Bob Rourke with Business Leaders Podcast, and today we're fortunate to have as our guest Kim Peterson-Stone. She's the founder and CEO of CommonSenseHealth.org. Since 2009, CommonSenseHealth.org has been helping clients to establish an online presence and grow their business, increase sales using social media and online marketing. Kim has built a network of 180,000 plus highly engaged subscribers and fans for herself and hundreds of thousands more for clients. She speaks, consults, and trains on inspired leadership and how to build quality business relationships and acquire new clients through LinkedIn and social media. Kim, welcome to the show. Glad to be here, Bob. Thanks so much for having me. Well, Kim, tell us a little bit about how you got started. How I got started. Um, Actually, I'll take you in the Wayback Machine, how this all started to working in social media and platforms actually before there were social media and platforms. Back in the day, I founded and ran a medical device firm, which used um, storytelling to share what it was that we that we did. We had a device that used light to relieve pain. So we were relieving people's pain, but it was a new concept at the time. And it was something that needed to be explained. So we did that via infomercials and via being on the home shopping network. And we also were picked up by a lot of, um, you know, the Denver Post and, and um, Newsweek and lots of, of national publications, PBS. Uh, we got a lot of a lot of good press, but the device needed to be explained. It needed to be shared. It needed, you know, people that had gotten really good results needed to share that with other people. We needed to form a community around it, and we did that pre-platform social media days. So. We ran that company for about eight years, and it grew from a kitchen table um, endeavor to a $20 million enterprise. And because of the perfect storm and uh, growing too quickly, that business eventually imploded. And what I took from that experience is what I learned about human engagement and human interaction. and. About that time, things were starting to kind of pick up online. So in 2009, I started a platform where people who are in the health and wellness community can have a presence and share with one another the types of things that they were doing. And these were innovative types of treatments that, again, needed to be explained and shared. And that platform kind of took off. I was not monetizing that as a business at all, but it was it was really just a community that I had created online. But what I found from that experience was that people within those communities were not very savvy on how to market what they did. And that was right about the time where Facebook and, and LinkedIn and, and, and a lot of different platforms were kind of coming to be. So commonsensehealth.org morphed from a community of health and wellness providers to a digital marketing agency within that space. So to make a short story long, that's kind of how I got there. I was I was doing the um, creation of, of community prior to the ability to do it online. When the power of that kind of gained momentum, I decided that that was a perfect segue and a great place to spend my my time and and building this new business new enterprise I think about the journey and you mentioned before the show 
the shooting schedule back in the day. You were on Home Shopping Network Canada. Right. Folks don't generally have an idea how that works. Paint that picture, if you would, for us. Well, prior to that, I had lunch with the producer. I was very nervous, and I'm the type of person who likes to have all my ducks in a row. And over lunch, I was asking him, you know, what types of things do I need to watch out for? What are the types of things I need to do? He said, Kim, it's live TV, so we have had people pass out. We have had people throw up. We've had to drag people off the set and rush them into an ambulance. Don't worry about it. You'll be fine. Besides, it's Canada, and there's hardly anybody here. <laughs> so that was those were his words of wisdom to me before I, I did that. But what was really great about it is I would be up there like every eight weeks or so, and initially I was just— demonstrating the product. But after a couple of times, you know, we were selling quite a few of them, people would be able to call in and say, my gosh, this has changed my life, you know, with tears in their eyes, literally. Being able to share that experience is so much better than the CEO of the company running off a bunch of stats about a piece of equipment. Mm -hmm. And and truly, that ability to have that interaction is is what I really took from that experience. And, and now we get to do it almost free of charge on these various platforms. It's become very complex over the years, but we're able to share our experience, both good and bad, about business. We're able to do it in a way that we've never been able to do that before. And it's just, it's wonderful. But those days were, those days were a lot of fun. They were long, um, but it really... We were able to help a lot of people, and I took away a lot of knowledge from that. It was a good time. And so you you shifted gears. And so we call it now pivot, I guess is the yes, word. Yes, yes. And so you pivoted. And Very so, much so from that experience, you started a new business. Right, right. I decided that the medical device business was very cash intensive. Um, it required outside investors and all of that. I decided I did not want to do that again. I decided I did not want to have a number of employees here and overseas and all of that. And all of that, you know, it, it was very, very cash intensive, that that business model. And again, with the advent of online, being able to communicate online and do business with people across the globe, the cost went way down. And so I decided that this business model suits my lifestyle. So rather than having the company run me, and rather having the company own me, um, I got to really be the boss. I was on paper the boss before, <laughs> but now I get to really do it. And uh, it's so much more rewarding. And I help other people work smarter in that regard as well. And it's really rewarding and enjoyable to be able to do that. So for the business that you're in now, what does your typical client look like? Well, I've got two sides of what I do. I've got the digital marketing side, which is commonsensehealth.org. And that's generally for um, medical practitioners, uh, med spa, plastics, um, the type of business where, you know, it's it's cash paid um, and it's commoditized to a certain degree. And it's very important to be able to differentiate your message. So doing digital marketing services for that group would be that side of the business. And then the other side to do LinkedIn training and speaking and teaching and coaching. Um, I've worked with financial services organizations. I've worked with direct sales organizations. I've worked with MLM organizations. I work with a number of different types of companies where people need to reach out to other people in business and 
explain what it is that they do. And I teach them to do that on LinkedIn in a way, the way that I explain it to people is, is this is something that will follow you your entire life. This is a living, breathing thing. The days of sending in a resume and hoping to get a job are over. So you really do need to make sure that your footprint, your digital footprint on LinkedIn conveys clearly what you do. And you're able to you're able to post videos and articles and, and commentary and, and communicate in a way and show yourself in a way that you never have been able to do before. So it would be those organizations who are looking to train their teams, and it would be also those higher level individuals that are very serious about creating and establishing a solid presence for themselves on LinkedIn. You know, maybe a good way to approach both sides of your business is let's talk about a case study example. For example, when you came in to speak to an organization and then the transformation, and perhaps when you went into an organization on the MLM or multi-level marketing side, so we can paint that picture as to both sides of your business. As far as feedback in, in getting... Well, let, let's say that I'm, I'm an organization. Mm-hmm. And I go, Kim, I want to engage you to, to come help my company. Mm-hmm. What was their pain point that caused them to reach out? Right. And what was the solution that you brought to the table? The pain point generally is increasing sales. You know, um, learning how to communicate and build relationships is how to increase sales. And it's very different than the old shotgun approach of increasing sales. It's, it's much more laser focused. So that's generally the pain point. We need to increase sales. We need to have a presence online. We don't know how to do it. How do we help our team who now maybe are making cold calls and they're doing things in a more traditional way? Um, we know that this could be more effective. We just don't know how to do it. So that's the pain point. Coming in and doing teaching um, kind of opens the door. Um, there are bullet points of you know top three things you can do, um, ways to get your, your profile where it needs to be, but then you also need to understand how to work it. So once people do work the system for a while, uh, for like a 30-day period, what they're seeing is increasing um, outbound appointments, increasing signing people up, um, increasing sales from existing accounts where they now come back on the radar again. So it's a very different way of marketing, and a lot of companies are kind of trying to still wrap their head around that, but they know that they need it. They just don't understand how to do it. So the pain point, once again, not being concerned about becoming irrelevant, that is something that I hear from clients. Um, they're either their industry is disrupted to the degree that it's being taken out by an app or um, a new and different way of doing things. They know they need to be present. They just don't understand how it all works. So giving their salespeople or their executives the tools to create that presence and increase uh, engagement, thereby increasing sales relationships and bringing in new clients is the solution. When you're working with that business that's considering approaching and using LinkedIn, what's the biggest misconception perhaps that the business owner that's been reluctant to pursue LinkedIn has? If they really don't understand or believe that things have changed to the degree that they have, because there are people who are still making things happen and they're not engaged digitally um, and, and they're in that world and they're not really seeing what's going on 
on, on the other side. Maybe they think it's hype. Maybe they think it's a fad. There's just this hesitancy um, because they don't understand. Um, and, and I think that that's the big thing is going to take too much time. You know, I, I, how am I going to measure ROI? You know, how, how is all this going to work for me? They just don't understand. And it's kind of a hand-holding process to help them see what can happen. Your, your biggest asset is your team. And if you have a team of 25 or 10,000 people all working for you with the outreach that we have now, it is mind-boggling what you can do. And the companies that choose not to embrace it, I'm concerned that in a relatively short period of time, they're going to be struggling to the degree that they've not seen before. I would say like within five years. I have people that are in, in my space that say three, uh, which is pretty dramatic. So you're either going to take and proactively get here. Yeah, or you're going to be on the other side where your competitors are going to drive you here. You won't be able to dig out. That concerns me. When I hear, oh, it's slow, and oh, I don't know. You know, people that are kind of indecisive. Before I get too far down the road, how do people reach you on social media if they want to talk? All of my um, platforms or to, to email me or anything can all be found on uh, kimpetersonstone.com. Okay, just like it sounds. Just like it sounds. Okay. You know, I, I think about the larger organization and they have a thought process about LinkedIn. And I think a lot of times they get frozen in the, the headlights. Yeah. They go, we have no idea how to move this ship from one course to the other. Right. If you were called into a larger organization, what would make the first two or three steps that you would take to start moving that ship on a different course? I would find out, first of all, what their legal department, what types of um, rules and regulations they may need to abide by. So, for example, in the financial services industry, which is an area that, that I work, they're very, very heavily regulated in what they can say and how they can say it. And there are even certain organizations where they're, the people that work for them have a LinkedIn account, but it's under their umbrella. So there's certain things that they they say and that they can't say. So we would start there because we need to know what the rules are before we can determine how we can move forward. So that would be step one. And then step two would be taking a look at what they're doing currently, what's working currently and what's not working currently so that we can take a look at what LinkedIn has to offer and see where we can fill in the holes and build it up. And then we take a look at standard practice and how that fits into what their goals and objectives are. So we know that we're able to do everything by the book. We know that the materials that, that are created are going to work and there's not going to be any miscommunication at all. And then, um, and then also offering follow-up. So doing coaching afterwards, one-on-one, -on -one, or offering uh, private online groups where people can comment and learn from one another. So there's a tremendous amount of information. We keep it simple uh, so that you can get up and running, run that for 30 days, take a look at exactly what you've accomplished because we like to track it back to results, and then go from there, decide where where we wanna go and then do the, the coaching and one-on-one and, -on -one and, and groups based upon that. We have the basically assessment, installation, and then we have follow-up. Yes. And then at some point, the the owner's going to say ROI. 
Right. And if if you were advising an owner how they might track the results of their efforts, what would you recommend they do? You know, there's there's a quote by Gary Vaynerchuk, who is a big wig in the social media world, and and he his something that's always stuck with me is he he says, "What's the ROI of your mother?" Mm-hmm. And I don't go that far because you do have to track ROI. Mm-hmm. Um, but I get his point. Because if you are the person in financial services or insurance or real estate or any of these highly, highly saturated, highly competitive industries, if you are the person that is going to tell them what they need to know to simplify the process or share with them a great restaurant in town or talk about some wonderful tool that they've just come across, if you are that person that is on their radar you are their trusted advisor before you even become their trusted advisor. And you develop a relationship before it's time to do business together. So take into consideration the differences that social media and and marketing on LinkedIn is, number one. Number two, in terms of tracking the ROI, you do it the same way that you do it with, you know, how many, it's not a number of how many, you know, make 100 outbound calls a day. Why? Well, because we want you to make one sale and that's what the stats say. Well, maybe I made three sales and I made 20 calls. Would that be better? Yeah, I think it would. So you kind of have to take a look at how you're tracking things and look at how the new way of doing things, which, which could be an awful lot more efficient and effective, fits in. So you've got and to your, massage it. And your customers used to, many of them are now used to receiving information through LinkedIn. Right. And so they're more comfortable with the media. So for, for the smaller business out there, not the larger organization, let's say I'm a sole practitioner, whether I'm in the legal profession or medical profession, and I'm listening and I'm going, yeah, but I'm not this massive organization. It's you know me and a handful of people. Mm-hmm. What advice would you offer to that specific practitioner as to what they might do on LinkedIn? I would say don't be discouraged by the fact that you're not a big entity and you may actually have advantage by being smaller. Um, if you have your team on board, whether your team is five or, or 10 or three, and they all are contributing valuable information to your network, and you're also searching for other people that can be of benefit to your organization, whether you're selling to them or you're partnering with them or they're going to distribute for you or whatever, um, you have the same amplification as a larger organization. You can still do that and it's still very relevant. So if you sell products to people who may work at a company, then you need to be on LinkedIn. If you are looking to grow your company and hire new employees, you need to be on LinkedIn. If you're looking to build distributorships or partnerships or look for more um, manufacturing um, partners or, or whatever, you need to be on LinkedIn. You need to have a presence there. I always tell people whenever you are at an event, you know, um, people still have business cards. I still have business cards, uh, but I, I don't use them. They aren't as effective as, hey, um, let's make sure we connect on LinkedIn. Because if we make sure we connect on LinkedIn, then I get to follow you and you get to follow me and you're kind of in the background. And it may, I may not have a need to do business with you for three months or six months or a year. But the fact of the matter is, the, the fact that you're connected and you're able to see what you're doing 
forms that relationship and that bond. I, I like to tell people it works while you sleep. It really does. When you're out networking and you're out working, you have to physically be there. But your presence on LinkedIn, if you are committed to having it be updated and, and you're, you have articles or videos or, or any other thing that you've contributed to it, if it's a living, breathing thing, is working for you while you sleep. Why would you not do that? If you don't do that, someone else is. It's just a missed opportunity. There's so many ways to go about LinkedIn. So if you were going to go in and look at a smaller business's footprint on LinkedIn, what are the first two or three things you would look at to determine whether you thought they had a, they were a good student, a mediocre student, or a student that needs assistance? I would take a look at the, at the people that work at the company and I would look at their profiles. How well are they filled out? Are they filled out? Um, when was the last time they were updated? How often are these people contributing? And if the answer is, is no, they're not contributing, and the last time it was updated was three years ago, I would say they, 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 they get a D minus. <laughs> <laughs> she will not advance to yes, the next grade. That, that is correct. We're going to have to have a discussion. Um, one of the common misconceptions, though, and I'm asked this all the time, should I post under my company or post under me. And my advice in that regard is that people do business with people and they would prefer that it comes from you uh, speaking for your company if you're speaking about a product or service or thing that you have coming up. Um, and then you can always post it on the company page as well. But it needs to be coming from you. So the people within the company need to be somewhat active. They need to be doing something. Well, you had a case of what you did. You started at a certain number and you made a commitment to post. I did. Yeah. And that was a recent thing. You know, when Microsoft bought LinkedIn and there was an exchange of $98 million in cash for all of their various assets, that caught my attention. Um, right about that time, I was contacted by one of the senior editors at LinkedIn saying, hey, you are, the, the type of information that you kick out um, is engaging and people like it. And we would like to change your status from uh, a, an individual to someone who could be followed. And that used to be, now almost everybody can be followed as long as you're contributing. But back then it, it wasn't. So I still, for about a year, I, I still didn't really take it very seriously and I didn't really do a whole lot with I it. I think people didn't understand. Exactly. I had no idea. I really didn't get it. Mm -hmm. um, then December 27th, I remember this distinctly of last year, I decided, you know, I'm going to post every day on LinkedIn. I'm going to do something every day. And although I run a digital marketing agency and I do training on LinkedIn, the types of things that I post about, I'll do quotes. I'll do a motivational quote and my little snippet for the day. And generally it's what I need to hear that day. Generally it's what I need you know, maybe I'm feeling sorry for myself. Maybe I'm overwhelmed. Maybe I'm traveling too much. Maybe I need a little something. And I'll post something like that every day. I write articles. I, I used to write articles quite a bit more frequently than I do. Um, articles are great because they go into a library. So when you Google yourself, if you've written articles on LinkedIn, they're going to rank you higher, which is really important. It's an, it's an important thing. So uh, back December 27th of last year, I started posting daily. 
And in about May of this year, I had 120,000 followers, or March of this year, 120,000 followers. That was accumulated over a number of years. And we are now in December of the same year, and I have over 180,000. So that's not something that I can buy or pay for or advertising. That's just simply someone coming across my profile, looking at what I've written or said about a topic. And again, it's not always about digital marketing, and it's not always about LinkedIn training. I could be talking about something that's going on within the business community or, or I, I, I tend to stay on the, the positive side of business. You know, there are a lot of challenge. People are, are overwhelmed. People are inundated. People are confused. Um, I try to clarify in some of the things that I write, some of the things that help me stay on track. Uh, so, and that's another place where people get hung up too. They think they need to talk about their business all the time, day in, day out, their business, their business, their business. No, it's, it, it is an interactive communication. So, um, yeah, that's a pretty big increase over a few months just by being consistent with the outreach. Years ago, I remember there was a move afoot here. You can buy this many connections or following. Yeah. And just to, to push your numbers. Right. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I think it's a complete waste of money and time, and I'm not aware of any way that you can do that on LinkedIn. There are ways to play with the algorithm on LinkedIn to get in front of more eyeballs, but I go back to what exactly are you accomplishing by that? It, it really needs to go back to what are we doing here? Um, if it's just to make a post viral, that's ridiculous. That, that doesn't do anything. Consistency is what does things. You can do that on Twitter. You can do that on Instagram. You can do that on Facebook, but you have no value. You have a lot of numbers, but no value. If you have an interactive community of people that are within the sphere of you guys have things in common from a business standpoint, and you're there to get things done, that's incredibly valuable. I have worked for people in Israel, in London, in New Zealand, and these are people that have found me and said, hey, I've been following you for a while. I really like what you're doing, and I've got a project that I'd like you to work on. I've never heard of this person. They've never, they haven't been really commenting on the things that I do or communicating with me, but they've been following me. And they feel like they know you, don't they? Exactly. It's a very strange thing. It is. You go, you know, thinking about you go onto a LinkedIn page, you, you look up good old Bill Smith. My, my, there's probably a million. He's Bill's going to be mad, right? <laughs> but you look at it. What are the things when you look at that page that should be important and should be attended to? You need to be aware of what your headline is saying. It needs to be something that someone would search in order to find what you do or the solution that you provide. So give that some thought and keep it active based on how you are coming up in searches. And you can you can check that by looking at your page, how often you were searched and who was searching you. And if you see who was searching you or exactly the people that you want to be in front of, then great. If it kind of doesn't make sense, then play around and with redo that. Your, and, and for people that are confused and go, well, I don't really know how to craft that, that message. What are the ways that you would craft what you do? I play around and, and I change mine up, I would say every other month mm -hmm. because I play with words like speaker, keynote speaker, empowerment speaker, LinkedIn trainer, LinkedIn coaching, 
Um, Keyword search. Yeah. So for the person that's listening in a particular industry, they would go to Google and search and see what search terms start to fill out, perhaps? What would someone search to find you? Mm-hmm. What would someone search and then you say, I do that. I can help you with that. What are they looking for? And that should be part of your, your headline. Headline. The headline comes right after there's there's the header, mm-hmm. which is the the piece of graphics that you really should use to put either a logo or a tagline or your phone number or email address or something. That's a valuable not, piece of real estate. We talked about this before. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a piece of software that people can take and build their header. Right. Right. Canva. Canva. Canva.com. C-A-N-V-A. There's a free um, level of that. Um, and it's it's already templated in and you upload everything and it just gives you a nice, crisp, professional look. And it's what people see first. They see your picture. So, of course, have a nicely done photo, not something blurry that you're cutting somebody else out from your sister's wedding or something like that. It needs to be something that looks, you, you don't have to do a suit and tie if that's not the business that you're in. Um, but you do need to have something that looks crisp and clean and people can recognize you. Yeah, not having an image up there is a bad idea. That is something that automatically excludes you. Just don't connect with anybody without an image because it may be a fake account. So so we've gone through and, and you've, you, we look at the site and, and you see the image and you see the summary of what they do. And then there's an ability to go ahead and start building content mm-hmm. for your site, which is what you did. Right, right. What other... You know, in, in content, LinkedIn used to be basically only, I think, text and pictures, right? Right. And it has just dramatically, you can put your interests, of course, where you went to school, where you volunteer, the types of things that you're looking to do, whether or not you're looking for new opportunities, um, articles, videos, uh, slide presentations, um, of course, photos. You can do live videos within your feed now. There's a huge amount that you can do. But I encourage people not to be intimidated by that. And oftentimes it's it's more difficult to get people to just take the baby steps. Just what I want you to do is post something every day. I want you to get, I want you to download the app. I use the app a lot. I'm not in front of my computer all the time. And I want you to post something every day and I want you to engage with the people who are in your network. So take a look at the types of things that they are posting provide some commentary. Um, Again, this is not a place to, and I encourage this on all platforms, you know, it's not a place to uh, talk politics or your opinion about some sort of, you know. This is not Twitter. It's not Twitter. It's not Facebook. It it, it is not for that. Um, Even though you feel very strongly about it, it's not the place to to do that. That's not saying that some people don't do that, but, but don't be one of those guys. So do engage and do do that every day as just a very beginning thing and see what winds up happening just with that alone, just with getting your, you know, getting your profile where it needs to be and engaging every day. Just that one little thing will make a huge difference. But a lot of people don't really understand. They're, they're more excited about the, the viral video or, or this going crazy or this person got 10,000 views or whatever. That's that's great, but that's not how you do it to build solid business relationships. And for the the business person, says I, I don't, you know, I don't have time every day. What are the the platforms that let's say that they could carve out uh, an hour a week, mm-hmm. and they could make their various posts, comments, and contents in that hour a week? 
Is there, what would you recommend for them to have that post to LinkedIn? If they're doing it on their own, um, I would encourage them to do how the algorithms are right this minute. That changes Mm -hmm. all the time. But I would encourage them to try to get some sort of an article uh, posted on LinkedIn Pulse, which then again is your library. So some, if someone is checking you out to do business with you or to work for you or for you to work for them, they're checking you out. What do you know? So if you write articles on some things that you know that would be helpful, uh, do that. Um, an hour, you know, is is not a whole lot of time to get a quality article written, but you don't have to go on and on and on. Short, sweet is better. Then you can repurpose that content by taking out little snippets of it and maybe bullet point it and put it in the feed later on in the week. So post an article on Tuesday, say, for example, and then post um, a little bit in the feed on Wednesday. And on each of the days, use your app and comment and you know, you'll, you'll be notified of people in your uh, community that are uh, celebrating an anniversary or a birthday or they've changed jobs. Um, congratulations, you know, just reaching out mm-hmm. in, in ways. And that's super rudimentary. There's so much more that it can do. But just taking those little baby steps, you'll start to get a feel for how it can work and how it can help move you um, to a much greater position of visibility. There are some tools that are available to help manage that, isn't there? Uh, Third-party LinkedIn tools? Mm -hmm. I do not use any. Okay, so you do this all without a HubSpot, without a buffer, without that. I don't. I I used to do LinkedIn posts via buffer. Mm -hmm. I don't anymore because generally platforms don't like third-party. Generally, you get dinged a little bit in terms of visibility, uh, and it's just so easy with the app to copy and paste. What I do for uh, commentary, sometimes I'll open up a Google Doc on my phone Mm -hmm. and I will just click the microphone and I'll talk. And I'll, you know, a couple paragraphs, fine tune it up and that's my commentary and that's my post. So there are ways of doing it that make it quite a bit easier. Mm -hmm. It really doesn't have to be this crazy, you know, sit down for three hours every day with LinkedIn, there are ways to make it easier. So no, I don't use those tools. No, I don't use any third party to do it. There there are scraping tools. There's all kinds of things. I don't want to uh, jeopardize my relationship with them because they, if you are not abiding by their rules, then they can shut down your page without question. That would be unfortunate. That would be very unfortunate. For the folks that are going, you know what? Uh, I'm a small practitioner and I've engaged you to come help me out. What should I expect when you first come in to my place of business and what should I expect over the next one to three months after you arrive? What is really important is determining what you're trying to accomplish because there's a lot of smoke and mirrors around social, right? Ooh, it's, it's, it's like the gold rush days. Everybody thinks that it's all magic and, and pixie dust. And it's not. I mean, it's, it's a combination of, of relationship building and, and science. So first and foremost, I would find out what is the objective? What are you wanting to do? Are you wanting to brand yourself because you're wanting to start doing speaking and writing a book? Are you wanting to launch a new product? Are you wanting to attract new employees? Are you wanting to train existing employees to make their sales um, 
outreach more effective? What is it exactly that you're wanting to accomplish? And then we would work backwards from there as far as a plan that would get you there the quickest. So that would be the first. Within the first 30 days, you're going to see definitely a jump in people reaching out and communicating with you or you know, you, them, them, you reconnecting with people, putting together a game plan to get reconnected with people that maybe are outside of your, you know, they, they should be in your network, but they're not because you just haven't really, um, you know, turning those business cards into actual connections. So that would be uh, step two. And then based on what it was you were trying to accomplish, you'd be able to see within the first 30 to 60 days, are we on the road to doing that? So are we bringing new accounts into the pipeline? Are we reaching out to older accounts and seeing if we can um, do something more for them in less of an automated fashion, but reaching reaching back out? So there are a lot of ways that you can do that, but based on what you are wanting to accomplish within the first 60 days, you need to be able to see that you're making your way towards those goals. You've published some resources for the folks that maybe are getting a little bit inundated and they go, there's no way. Or I'll, there's no way I'll remember everything you just said. Right. Uh, where online can they find some of the resources that you've provided? Well, on the uh, commonsensehealth.org website, there are quite a bit of articles. And I know that takes time to go through all of those, but there's a search bar. And if you have a specific topic that you're interested in, you can pull those up that way. There's also a one hour long webinar that I did, which which basically outlines a lot of the simple tools um, or the simple uh, follow through mechanisms that you should do, what you should do daily, what you should do weekly, what you should do, and here's how you can do it. And that is at bit.ly.com slash goal magic. And you can download the webinar and watch the whole thing from there. So we have resources online. There's a lot of information. Yeah. And so you speak, we have resources. What do you think for your business, best advice perhaps that you ever received, whether it was this business or when you were up doing the uh, home shopping network? Oh my gosh. You know, I, I think all of this aside, all of all of the tools and the strategies and the outreach and the amazing ability that we have nowadays to communicate with one another, I've got to go back way back in the day um, when my coach from the SBA, John Graff, who's here in Colorado Springs, said, um, I, what I want you to do, Kim, is I want you to get a sticky note and I want you to put it on your computer and I want to put it you to put it on your bathroom mirror and I want you to put it on your desk and I want you to put it everywhere that your eyeballs are going to go today. And on that sticky note, I want you to write cash is king. Cash flow pretty much fixes every problem. Yes. And so you can you can take all of the, the magic and pixie dust that I mentioned before, but it really does need to come back down to what are we accomplishing here? What are we really accomplishing? And are we on track? And are we moving forward in the direction that we that we want to be? So in terms of broad business advice, that was uh, that was a pretty good one. Well, we're coming to the close. Perhaps a parting piece of guidance, giving, given your journey from one business uh, to the LinkedIn space and what you're doing now. You know, I would say, and you mentioned it, uh, earlier when I first came in, it is about the journey. It is the journey. And we have abilities to do many different things in a lifetime rather than learning one trade and doing that our entire lives. We can still do that if we choose, but 
the level of, of, of what we do changes and, and we can shift and change and pivot. And I would say that if you're, if you're at one of those junctures where you are needing to pivot, there are tools that can really help you um, do things differently and get different results. And there are resources out there. And rather than getting inundated with you know YouTube videos and podcasts and all these different things, pick a topic that you're wanting to learn more about and, and get out there and educate yourself and maybe give yourself a weekend or maybe, you know, three or four days. Take all your notes and take action, take action, take action. Get that something be, out the door. Get something done. Don't you know, and study I think forever. about last December 27th, two days after Christmas, looking at the new year. Right. And you decided yes. that you were going to post every day. Right. And you've had a... 50% increase. Yeah. You know, it's a daily massive action event. Yeah. And even in days when you when you're trotting through like that, just like, you know, working out or eating well or anything, it is not about that, you know, bikini weekend diet. It's about what you do every day. It's about the decisions that you make every day. It's not sexy, it's not glamorous. It's trudging. And that is what trudging is it such is a good word. Trudging said so some days more than others, but you don't you don't see that that huge result of what you're doing day in and day out, day in and day out. But when you do look back six months, twelve months, two years, it's phenomenal what you can accomplish. Yeah, overnight success after two years. Yeah, or after twenty years. I mean, that happens too. So you know, it's not about the the quick, immediate. Thing. It's about doing things and trying to improve over longer periods of time. Well, Kim Peterson Stone, Kim, thanks so much for being on the podcast Thank today. Thank you, Bob. It's been a pleasure. You bet.